Gentlemen Spacemen! The Doomsday Robot, Episode 2 Dirk Danger approaches City Hall. A bright light beacon is flashing on its massive cyberdome, the only activity Dirk can see in the entire city. Whatever it is that is causing the problem, it has to be there. What could it be? Find out next time on Gentlemen Spacemen! Hello, and welcome back to Gentlemen Spaceman's Atomic Hideout. Each episode, we explore classic sci-fi from the atomic age and beyond. I'm your host, Brad Gerhowski. If you'd like to know more about me, please visit thevoiceofbrad.com. If you are enjoying the Atomic Hideout, we're happy. All we'd ask in return is that you consider subscribing and leave a review wherever it is that you enjoy listening to podcasts. It will take you just a moment and really helps us out a lot. Today, we return for part two of Stephen Marlowe's Prison of a Billion Years, which originally appeared in the magazine Imagination in April 1956. Let's find out what happens and how our story concludes. Prison of a Billion Years Written by Stephen Marlowe Part 2 We'll have to go back to the cliffs, Marcia cried. She yelled it again at the top of her voice because she realized Slade would not hear her otherwise as the rain cracked and exploded and splattered and crashed. There were no droplets of water, for each one had size and shape and weight, swift falling, hammering weight as it came down. Each one, Marcia thought wildly, struggling to keep her feet, was the size of your clenched fist there in the gray dawn of Earth. The cliffs, she cried. But Adam Slade shook his head, grabbed her arm above the wrist, and pulled her after him. He pointed ahead in the direction they had been going. He said nothing. There was no need to talk. They were going forward. And if it killed them, probably Adam Slade did not care much. The cliffs, she cried. But Adam Slade shook his head, grabbed her arm above the wrist, and pulled her after him. He pointed ahead in the direction they had been going. He said nothing. There was no need to talk. They were going forward, and if it killed them, probably Adam Slade did not care much. He wanted that prison time machine for his escape, and he was either going to get it or die in the attempt. They went on slowly. First, one would fall, and then the other. And when it was Slade who had fallen, she would wait patiently, hopefully, if he ever released his hold on the M-gun. But if it were Marcia who fell, Slade would yank her to her feet savagely, yelling words which she had heard at first but which after a while, after an eternity of the storm, seemed to merge with the sound of the rain and the far booming of thunder out over the water. And then, as if by magic, she was walking again and stumbling along with Slade, drenched and beaten and half-drowned. She hardly remembered when night came, but presently she was aware of the darkness and the mist over the sea and over the rock and now engulfing them with its white ectoplasmic tendrils. In the mist, she knew she could escape Slade, and yet she did not. 
without Slade now, now in the middle of nowhere there by the sea on the shores of the young earth, she would die in the storm. With Slade, at least for now, was life. And she went on. The thunder followed them and became closer. By the middle of the night it sounded like artillery at a distance of half a mile, like a barrage of big atomic shells just out of sight behind a black ridge line which wasn't there. And through the deeper rain-wet darkness of early morning, through the mist, tearing the mist to tatters, shredding it, came the spears and forks and lances of lightning. It was, Marcia thought, a nightmare of a storm, and she must remember it, for it would make a story, a real story, if ever she lived to tell it. By morning, the air smelled of ozone. It reeked of ozone, and around them, as the gray light seeped out of the wet sky and the rain suddenly slackened as if the weak daylight dispelled it, the black rocks were blasted and broken where lightning had struck. In the dawn's first light, another helicopter came. Get down, Slade shouted, and they dropped among the blasted black rocks, hiding there, not moving. The helicopter came on through the slackening rain, buzzing a few hundred feet above them, but not circling. It was headed for the abandoned tank, Marcia thought. It wasn't looking for them here. But suddenly the rain came down in all its savage force again, blinding, bounding off the rocks, pounding relentlessly. Overhead, the helicopter seemed to pause like a bird stricken in flight. The rotors whirled a silver shield against the rain, the great drops splattering off the shield. And the helicopter came down under the weight of the rain. It landed a hundred and fifty yards from them down the beach, and Marcio watched breathlessly while three men got out and looked at each other and at the rain. The dawn light was still only a dim gray, and Marcia could not see the men clearly. But abruptly a jagged spear of lightning blasted rock midway between where they were hiding and the helicopter and in the afterglare through the wet and almost crackling air, the men were very clear. And clearer still when other lightning came down around them, ringing them in, it seemed, like a tent. There was now so much lightning, it looked more like an aurora than an electric storm. The dawn earth, before life, spending itself in fury. All at once, Marcia was running down toward the edge of the water, where the helicopter was. She ran, screaming and shouting, but the thunder swallowed her puny voice. At every moment, she expected Adam Slade to kill her, to merely stand up with the M-gun and shoot her. But he did not, and perhaps her unconscious mind, in the instant she had fled, had instinctively known he would not for if Adam Slade killed her, he had no hostage. If he killed her and they found him, he would have absolutely no chance. She turned and looked behind her. There was Slade, silhouetted against the lightning, 
running, covering the ground in huge strides, gaining on her. She did not look back again. The whole world was lightning and thunder, and her legs striking earth under her, up and down, up and down, pounding, running, fleeing, and the rain, Slade's ally, beating her, buffeting her, exploding against her. She stumbled and fell, but she was up and running again in a moment. Now Slade was very close, but the helicopter was close too. She did not think the men there had seen them yet. She waved her arms and screamed, although she knew the screams would not be heard. And then Slade was on her. They went down together, and she knew she was frail and helpless before his great strength. He grabbed her, his hands, angry hands on her throat. And lightning struck. It bounded and bounced off rock a dozen feet from them. It shook the earth and blasted the rock in pieces like shrapnel cluttered all around them and struck them too, and Marcia felt hot blood on her arm, and it was her own blood. But Slade had been momentarily stunned, and she was running again, away from him. But away from the helicopter too. At first she did not realize that, but when she did realize it, it was too late. If she doubled back now, she would rush into Slade's arms. She ran into the sea. It was suddenly, unexpectedly calm. It merely eddied around her ankles as if waiting for something. The storm seemed to be waiting too, lightning holding back, the thunder stilled, even the rain hanging there in the black, heavy sky, waiting. Slade came after her, stalking through the surf. A single bolt of lightning lanced down at them, and a great engulfing roar lifted Marcia, carried her, stunned her, and then the rain pelted down again, and the sea was an angry sea, and the air was supercharged with ozone and another smell, like seared flesh, like seared flesh. She saw Adam Slade then. Slade was down in a foot of water, face down. He was not moving, and the water lapped around him, over him. She went to him, walking slowly. The men from the helicopter were there too. They had seen in that final flash of lightning. Are you all right, miss? One of them shouted. Yes. Slade? They turned him over. They looked at him. Dead, one of them said. Dead, she echoed. She would have collapsed, but they caught her. Then the rain really came down, not as it had come before, which was hard enough. It came in huge globes of water, and each globe was as big as your head, and if it hit, it could stun you. Slade! Someone cried as the globes exploded violently in the surf around them. He's dead. He'll keep. And they went back to the helicopter with Marcia to await the end of the storm there. When it was over, when the sky was not black but merely the color of lead, they returned down the beach for Slade's body. But Slade wasn't there. But he was dead, Marcia said incredulously. One of them smiled. 
He didn't go any place under his own power. He was dead all right. The storm took his body out to sea is all. They stood there for a moment, gazing out across the black, troubled water of the infant ocean on the infant earth a billion years ago. Slade was out there. Slade, dead. Out there with the tides and the waters and the frequent electric storms. Hmm. Out there with a million bacteriological parasites on his dead body and in his dead body, which he brought with him, Marcius said dreamily. Oh, what are you talking about, miss? Out there in the electric dawn of Earth, with the bacteria which lived in his body as they lived in all other bodies, out there with them, dead. Food for them. Food and water and air heavy with ozone and the electric storms. Marcia laughed hysterically. It was a story she wanted to write. But she wouldn't write it. Slade was a killer, condemned to die. But Slade, dead out there with his bacteria, Slade, evil to man and human society, but not necessarily evil in the implacable ways of nature, or perhaps grimly, terribly evil. Slade out there, dead on the bosom of the primordial waters, Slade back in time a billion years before life had been born on earth. She laughed hysterically as they led her away from the water. They slapped her face, gently at first, then harder. I'll be all right, she managed to say. She would be all right. She could live to forget it. But Slade, out there. Slade. Slade fathering all life on earth there in the sea with his dead body. Slade, who had sinned and was taken back here to die for his sins so that life could be born. Slade, whose first name was Adam. I hope you enjoyed Prison of a Billion Years by Stephen Marlowe. I'm excited that I could share it with you. We will return next episode with the story Grounded by William Samrat. The Gentleman Spaceman's Atomic Hideout was written, produced, edited, and performed by Brad Gerhowski. Dirk Danger, Gentleman Spaceman, The Doomsday Robot was written by Brad Gerhowski and Liam Mackin. For more information about Gentleman Spaceman's Atomic Hideout, visit thevoiceofbrad.com spaceman. If you are enjoying Gentleman Spaceman's Atomic Hideout, please subscribe and consider leaving a review wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Thank you, and journey well among the stars. <laughs> <laughs>